Welcome to this episode of The Strong Way with Kathy Ostopchuk. The strong way isn't always the easiest way, but it is the best way. It often means coming face to face with giants, experiencing defining moments, and coming out stronger on the other side. Thanks for tuning in to Kathy's conversation today, covering success, strategy, transformation, resistance, resilience, and more than enough wisdom to inspire you to stay in the game. We believe you have it in you to find your strong way forward. The strong way is not always the easiest way, but it's the best way because it's your way. And now, here's Kathy. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Episode 5 of The Strong Way with me, your host, Kathy Ossipchuk. You know, many female leaders spend an inordinate amount of time just waiting. A majority of female leaders that I coach are waiting for invitations, for the silver platter of life clarity and affirmation of their gifts, along with a great job offer to come along that will place them strategically in a context where they can steward their gifts and flourish. Who doesn't want that? Well, sometimes help is on the way, but most times it's not coming. We have to do the work and it's usually not handed to us. And male leaders, this podcast today is just as much for you as the girls. At the very least, Katie Cole's insight will open your eyes to the reality that many females experience, the resistance that comes into play when they seek to grow their leadership influence, and the reality that in 2022, the leadership table is not equitable. Still, Katie is committed to amplifying, accelerating, and elevating other women who are doing great things. And, you know, this is a breath of fresh air to me. A female leader committed to championing other females rather than comparing or trying to compete with them. I had the privilege of speaking at the conference that Katie holds every year, She Leads Church, with over 7,000 attendees. And I witnessed that Katie does not just say she's a champion of the female voice, she creates a space for it. Katie Cole has spent the last 25 years serving in local church ministry as an executive director at one of America's largest and fastest growing multi-site churches, a director at Leadership Network, and a founding member of the Women's Executive Pastor Network. Katie authored Sticky Note Leadership, her best-selling book, Developing Female Leaders, and her newest book, Find Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days, and speaks at leadership conferences all around the world. She holds a master's degree in human resource development, and she's passionate about helping organizations and businesses thrive. She is truly helping move the needle forward on diversity and equipping faith-based leaders to fulfill their calling through her business, organization, and church consulting called Life Plans and her leadership coaching. You know, she coached me a little bit. We had lunch a little while ago in Florida, where she lives, and truly, she's one of the smartest women I know. I couldn't finish my salad because I was trying to take in all her wisdom and the passion behind why it is so important to equip leaders. And now, my conversation with the smart and strong Katie Cole. Well, I'm really excited today to welcome Katie Cole to the Strong Way podcast. I've been following her for quite a while, and I can't believe that we have both found that time in our schedules to have this very, very important conversation. I know all of you female leaders and male leaders uh, listening to this are going to walk away with amazing nuggets of pure cold from this amazing leadership guru. So Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Kathy, so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Now, I always like to go back to the first time uh, we ever met as guests, which we haven't. But the first time I was introduced to you was from an email from my good friend, Shayla Visser, who is vice president of Alpha International. And she got an email from someone saying, there's this amazing woman in the States. She's doing research on female leaders. For some reason, I couldn't jump on that train. But when I read your book, Developing Female Leaders, I thought my story is in there and the story of so many women that I know. So I just want to congratulate you for writing that book. And I am surprised and maybe a little bit honored that you have so much influence. You should actually be running a country, I think, right now, Katie. I'm just wondering what you have seen in terms of the impact of that book. Oh, gosh. Well, 
I'll tell you, I, I didn't have a lot of expectations when I wrote it. I was a consultant for churches and companies that most of whom had more men than women in leadership. And uh, we were having some issues with growth and leadership development. And so I, I was really trying to help them kind of crack this nut of why women weren't go- moving up in their pipeline. And in the process of that, of researching it, trying to find some solutions, I was like, I wonder if there's, you know, I wonder if there's, this would be helpful for other people. So I kind of just wrote the book in an attempt to get the word out to more people who were trying to do a better job at this. And it really took off. I think the Lord's timing was amazing in terms of when I wrote it and then when it actually was published, was right on the heels of the Me Too movement when people were paying a big attention to this. And then I just still, a few years later now, get emails or messages on social media of just people who are really impacted by the information. I specifically wrote it to men who were leading churches or faith-based or male-populated environments uh, to try and raise awareness of what were some of the defaults that all of us in leadership tended to sort of have learned or were modeled or mentored in or systems we inherited, just raising awareness to it. And so I get messages from both men and women about it and how it's really changed the way they're approaching their leadership and most importantly, the fruit they're seeing from it. So there have been a lot of doors open for women, which I think is fantastic. There's been a lot of women who have really been affirmed in the leadership they've been doing for sometimes decades without appropriate pay or acknowledgement or titles. And then we see some churches really revolutionizing their culture. And so bringing more leaders to the table. It's really been an inroad for diversity of all kinds, not just gender diversity, which of course now that timing is even more important. So it's been really, really fun, really exciting. I'm very honored to be a part of it. I'm certainly not the only person talking about this, but it is really a joy to be involved in what God is doing around this topic. Yeah. And I love that you sort of attack it from three sides. So you talk about the female leader, but you really wrote the book for male leaders and you wrote it for the church. So it's all three things that really need to change in terms of the system to change. And I really appreciate that. So here you are now. I mean, I would say that you're a success, but given the female (laughs) struggle with it, I'm never going to be, you know, successful as I think I should be, you know, the confidence issues that we have. I want to just hear from your perspective. Um, do you feel successful? Is that a surprise? Uh, what was some of the strategy around that? I would love to hear from you. Yeah, I don't know if successful is the word I would use. I don't know if that's female or just my faith upbringing, that that was never really the thing I was trying to accomplish. I really did want to make a difference. And I feel like really all through my life, I can look back and see the seasons God had me in and feeling really grateful for the opportunities I was given and really uh, amazed at some of the things God did in those times. And I would say this work around female leaders is just sort of the next piece of that for me. So I do feel really proud of that, but I, I am not someone who has a really specific vision. I, there are many people have like really clear callings from God. You will build this thing, or you will do that, whatever. I'm, I'm much more oriented towards servanthood. I'm much more oriented towards the opportunities God brings me trying to sort of walk through the doors as he opens them. And so that's been how he and I have worked through most of my life since I started following him. Um, But I would say, you know, I often say to people, just because I write about imposter syndrome and the sticky floor doesn't mean I don't have it. And so I would say I am a victim of all of those things also. Knowing the research behind it, even doing the work on this book has been really healing for me, really freeing for me. I think when any of us who feel sort of like an inner battle or an, or a limitation and we know we're not alone or we know that this is probably this isn't a fault of ours or a weakness of ours this is sort of a result of a bigger issue that many people are struggling with it does sort of disqualify it um, internally it kind of takes the power away and so I've really appreciated that experience I appreciate hearing other people's journey with that um, and I think uh, Yeah, I think finding our way with the Lord and coming to terms and to peace with who we are and what he's called us to and making faithfulness our goal, like those are the things that have been the most helpful to me in this season of my life. Yeah, it's very humble response. And I think it's a very true response. I hear your true voice coming out in that. And you know, your trajectory has been something that a lot of us females call um, a series of reinventing ourselves. I mean, you started out as a nurse, you became, you know, on staff, university leadership with students doing a master's, 
corporate and, and then in the church doing executive pastoring and, and really building and building capacity for the church that you're at and influencing so many through coaching. And so would you call that reinventing or would you call it just finding different spheres of influence for how your own personal strengths were growing? Yeah, I think I probably don't reinvent myself on the inside. I really love scriptures that talk about uh, how God gifts us and our our uh, kind of challenge to mature in those gifts, to mature in our character. And so I feel like I'm the same person in all of those places, but I, I do love a new challenge. And so that is part of my personality. Uh, and so I'm really grateful that I have sort of these series of new experiences, but I would say in all of those places, I brought uh, who I am to those experiences and they've helped the, the area or the team or the department or the organization that I was at those gifts were needed at that season. And then there was a time when those gifts weren't the thing that was needed most anymore. There was someone else to come in and take it over. I think, again, there's kind of two sort of leaders in my experience. One is someone who brings the same thing over and over and over again and gets better and better at it, more of an expert. Another is more of a generalist who can grow with an organization. And there are many incredible leaders who start their own organization or start something small and grow with it and sort of learn new leadership as they go. Both are excellent. I've experienced both, but I do think that's one of the reasons I champion for women to really own who you are and discover your giftedness and make sure you're being who you are. It doesn't mean like this is my preference or the way I like my office. It means these, this is what God has created me to do. And I'm going to bring my fullness of that into whatever opportunity he brings me next. Yeah, I love that because I think that wisdom is so countercultural. Right now, so many of us are looking for ways that we can add on to our lives externally. If I take this program, if I read this book, if I change my hair color, if I go to a different context, a different church, a different job, that's going to make me who I am. And what I hear you saying is that you're already carrying it. You just need to find it. And that word find comes up in your new book, which I absolutely adore, finding your leadership voice. And I think you offer something really fresh and new. But you also do not skim around the elephant in the room, which is asking the question that we all ask, am I too much? Am I not enough? Like it's both and we're, we're kind of like, I can't be this and I can't be that. So really, who am I really? How do I use my voice? How do I find my true voice? How did you come to this conclusion that voice is of huge significance and clarifying that for women is a game changer? Well, I think part of it is as I was working with churches and speaking at conferences on the Developing Female Leaders book, which again, I wrote for men and sort of the leadership systems they have in their organizations. I started talking with lots of women, you know, women would come up after me. I would, you know, I would go work at a church and end up with a, you know, lunch with all the women on staff. And, and as I would talk with these women just over and over again, were these stories of women who were now being given opportunities, right? The doors were being unlocked. They were being invited in, they were getting promotions and they were really excited about that. But once they got into the job, it really wasn't that enjoyable. They were kind of like, man, this is really stressful. And, or I go into these meetings, I'm the only woman on the team. I don't really know where I fit. I feel like I'm sacrificing things in my personal life or with my family. And I'm trying to figure out if it's worth it. I'm stressed out every day. And so uh, some women were loving it, but the majority of them were not, uh, it just wasn't as much fun as leadership should be. <laughs> it's hard work, but it should be enjoyable. It should be satisfying. You should leave at the end of the day going like, I'm so glad I get to do this. And if we aren't feeling that, we have to ask ourselves why. And so for a lot of us, I think this idea of who we are or our voice, um, I use the word voice because I just hear that chatter a lot, especially in female spaces about making your voice be heard. And as a believer and a follower of Jesus, yes, our voice matters. He's given us a voice. He's inspired us with the Holy Spirit. We already use that voice. However, as we study scripture, we also know there are many times that God calls us to be quiet. There were many times that Jesus spoke up and many times where Jesus stayed silent. And so just because I'm finding my voice doesn't mean I need to always use it. And it doesn't mean I need to use it in every room. And it doesn't mean because no one listened to my voice that I'm being oppressed. I just felt like there was a lot of opportunity to take that out of context and go to extremes. And so I wanted to write really a narrative for other women leaders who were in these sort of experiences about what does godly voice look like? 
What does it mean to have a godly leadership voice? How do I not hold back or be passive or be less than who I am, camouflaging or conforming to what's around me? But how do I not overcorrect by being too much, by being aggressive, by demanding, by standing up for myself at every single moment, right? And and being greedy or being difficult, right? Because that doesn't, that's not real godly leadership either. And so we tend to be one of those extremes. We tend to be more passive is our natural inclination, or we tend to be more aggressive. And even I see aggressive women who are hired by their pastors and they come in and then they turn silent. They overcorrect and they like, don't say anything in a meeting. And their team is like, what happened to this fiery leader that we hired? Why is she not showing up and who we know her to be? And so I just, I want to advocate for that healthy middle ground of a godly assertive leadership what it means to be honest and honoring, what it means to be bold and humble. It's this sort of like these tensions of these two Christ-like characteristics that when we are following and in step with the Holy Spirit, we can be fully both of those at the same time. And because God is leading us, we know when to speak and when to not, and both are godly. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, you've answered so many questions, you know, the why, the when, you know, the how, the who, and the sense that you really need to know where you get your authority from. Otherwise, I think you lose your power to choose. Like you say, I can either not speak at all, or I over speak. And I love that you've talked about that. It's all or nothing, but you're saying, wait a minute, you have a choice depending on the when and the context. And I know I've sat in rooms, you know, on churches in churches where I've been at the table and I really didn't feel that I had been given the authority to speak. So I didn't speak or when I spoke, it was all gushy and mushy and emotional because, you know, I had a moment and I didn't know how to, how to use it. So what I'm going to say is just something that I really appreciate because so many of us females in the ministry world, we feel like, yes, we are doing Bible studies, we're doing, we're equipping all of that good stuff, but it's hard to find like-minded women who are saying, no, we're actually growing our leadership influence. We are leaders. We've been giving a sphere of influence and we, we want to build into that. What I love about the work that you've done, Katie, is that a lot of us have the why, like we have, we know we're carrying something, but we, we're just like, we tell me how. So we go to YouTube, you know, how do I do this? How do I do a podcast? How do I speak? And in all of your resources, man, you've got, you know, circle of videos, you've got sheet sheets, which I've downloaded. You've got like these one pagers. You're saying, this is how, these are your choices. This is how to find what I like to call your genuine voice. And I, how did you come to that um, conclusion that there's many ways to do it and all of these things combined really could be an answer for you? I think they're really a product of my own experience of being in leadership for over 30 years and specifically in full-time ministry for the last 20. I had to kind of walk myself through that. I, there, I didn't have a lot of like other women on staff that were at higher levels than me. I had a few great spiritual mentors and leadership mentors, but I, you know, I really had to kind of like practice. And so that practical side is, is really one of the the things that I do the most. I'm a trainer. Uh, It's what my master's degree is in. And so really figuring out how to practically think about these, make sure they're biblical in sort of the foundation of what we're talking about. Um, And then I had to sort of figure out like, these are my gifts. And man, when I talk in a meeting and use my gifts or the need in front of me requires the gifts I have, when I talk about that, man, God is in it. We find solutions. The room feels better. I feel that sort of interior satisfaction and joy that I brought something of value to the table. When we are in a conversation that requires a different gift that isn't one of my top gifts and I speak into it, man, it just goes flat, right? I kind of say something stupid. I feel awkward. Everyone gives me that look that's like, well, that was interesting. Let's move on to a different idea, right? I, it just, and so trial and error, I'm like, oh gosh, when I walk in my giftedness, when I speak up and when I challenge, because I'm, I'm anointed to be good at these things, God is with me. And when I try to reach out and be someone I'm not, and, and by the way, when I speak about something that is not my expertise or the things I'm injected with God's spirit to be good at, I'm taking voice away from someone else. 
there's someone else at that table with that gift. And so stewarding my voice became really important and, and giving myself permission to not only permission, but challenging myself to have courage to speak up when I know it's something I have to offer and then disciplining and have self-control to not give an answer when that's not my place. Those are the kind of practical things I walk through people through in the book, because I find that most women have not been taught in our discipleship forming experiences, those things. It's one of the challenges we have being a leader of this day and age of the church is most men have grown up with leadership development and their spiritual formation being very interconnected. Discipleship is leadership development for most men. For women, we do spiritual formation and discipleship very separated from leadership. And so uh, we have a lot of scripture. We do a lot of Bible studies. We have a lot of sharing. We have a lot of reflection. We do a lot of journaling. We really learn God's word, which is amazing. But if we want to learn leadership skills, like I'm talking about, about when to speak up in a meeting or challenge authority, that happens in some different room. Or most of us, it happens in like high school or college or career. It does, it's not integrated into our spiritual formation and it's not something we know how to live out in our church leadership contexts. And so I'm trying to pull those two worlds together uh, for women and say, hey, by the way, these are the things you've been missing the last you know, couple decades of your development. Let me try to just connect the dots. Women are smart. If you've been in the word, you know, it's not as far away as it feels, but sometimes you just need someone to clearly connect the dots and pull those pieces together and give you some ways to practice and find your voice and get better at using it. It's amazing. I mean, if I could, I'd I'd be doing a happy dance right here on video because it's true. Like we tend to separate leadership out of our whole female context. We don't, the definition doesn't serve us because even now as I coach women leaders here in my context, the first resistance I get is, well, I'm not a leader. I'm just this or that. It's like, well, actually, if you have influence, you are, and you know, as John Maxwell says, that's the key. Do you have influence? And so I love that you're integrating that. You're not making it the exception to say, I'm a woman and a leader. You're making it the norm, right? Like males, like females, we yep. have that ability to influence because we are more than half the church. So can you imagine if we use our voice appropriately, choosing well, you know, how we could help the church flourish, which is, I think, one of your end goals. So that's brilliant. And Kathy, I think I just want to add for anyone who's not familiar with the work I do. It's really important for me that uh, everyone understand I don't have a theological agenda around this. I'm really coming at it from a stewardship of giftedness and of leadership development in churches. I grew up in very conservative environments. I certainly, and I've also worked in very progressive or egalitarian environments. I have found that we're equally bad in both environments in really developing women and using them to their full potential. And so even, I just want to say to your listeners, even if you find yourself in a more complementarian or conservative environment that has fewer roles open for women, one of the mistakes I think we've made in those environments is being really loud about the roles we don't want women to take, which are usually a handful and very quiet about the hundreds of volunteer and staff leadership roles we have for women in ministry. And so most women assume there isn't a lot they can do with their leadership gifting in the church. And I just want to stand up and just encourage everyone that if God has given you a gift of leadership or teaching or intercession or whatever your giftings is, that is an automatic assignment to use that gift to encourage the body that you are a part of. And so whatever those opportunities are, whatever roles may or may not be open for you, you using your gifts and having leadership and influence is part of your calling as a believer. And I really know that as you do that, doors are going to open, your leadership will recognize it. Sometimes we have to take the initiative and begin using our gifts. Most women wait and want to be invited before we take initiative, but especially if you have leadership gifts, chances are you're initiating anyway. I would just encourage you to use those gifts you're initiating in other spheres of your life to use that in ministry and just see what God might do. The goal again is not for accolades or to be acknowledged. The goal is to have fruit. And so start leading and look for the fruit. And if there's good fruit, then you're on the right track. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, you have said the gift is the assignment. You have the gift, therefore you have an assignment. I love that. That's such a great takeaway. And you also talk about this word, this big C word that really is a stumbling block for so many of us female leaders, confidence. And if we don't get to use our gifts 
our confidence can't grow. Can you speak to that just a little bit? Sure. Uh, gifts like any other muscle in our body, you know, start out small and weak and it's our job to grow and mature them and exercise them. And so just like with a little kid who grows up, you know, not using their left arm for anything, uh, by the time they're 20, they really are over dominant on one side of their body. By the time they're 30 and 40, it's hard to get that arm moving. You can do it. Every, every muscle can be strengthened until the day we die. Even if you spent your whole life with it in dormancy. Uh, but it's our job to strengthen and use those muscles. And the more we use them, the more competent we become, the better at them. And the more competency we have, the more our confidence grows. And I really encourage women who are struggling with insecurity. And I've definitely had seasons of this myself. I understand it. I It's probably always present with all of us. But if you are feeling like you just are struggling in that area in particular, the best way to grow your confidence is not to talk to yourself more. It's not to psych yourself out. It's not to have other people cheering you on. It's not to play certain songs on the radio. It's to start using your muscle. You'll gain confidence in using your left arm if you start using your left arm. Now, don't go you know, play tennis left-handed on the first day. That's not how you grow muscle. You want to just start using it. You want to start shifting things from your right hand to your left hand. You want to start leveraging it. Read some books on it. Go to a class on it. Look for other people who use their left arm in an awesome way. Like, Find out how you do that and begin building the muscle. And that's one of the areas that I think that women, sometimes we forget to encourage each other that really our gifts are our responsibility. You know, when we get at the end of our life and we see Jesus in heaven and he reviews the video of our life, he's not going to look at you and say, hey, let me go talk to your boss or your husband or your dad or your pastor about what he did with your gifts. He's going to look you square in the eye and say, I gave you these gifts. What did you do with them? Let's look at the fruit. Let's look how you grew. Let's look how you honored me and how you use these gifts. That's why it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or says about them. It just matters what you do with them and what you and the Lord think about them. And when you start with that, that heart of obedience and that heart of servanthood, knowing that God's keeping track of everything, even if no one sees anything, God is keeping track of everything. Every moment you use it, is a win in the kingdom and a win for you and a win for the Lord. And so that's what the goal of following Jesus is to me, is knowing who he made us to be and then practicing it and getting better at it over and over again. And by the way, you can't practice without making mistakes. You can't have some, you know, blunders along the way. That's part of sanctification. That's part of the growth process. Jesus isn't looking for perfection. He is perfection. He's got that one covered. He's looking for people who want to follow. You just have to put one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other and take your next step. That's what it means to follow Jesus with this, with your gifts. 100% love it all. I think sometimes I, most of the time I say to coaching clients that I have that are female, I go do the work, do the work, because I agree with you. Sometimes we're just waiting for somebody to come with a silver platter and say, well, here's your life, you know, and here's the opportunity. It doesn't work that way. You, you build the bridge as you walk in it, but you have to grow that and you have to push some doors and other doors, you know, you pray into, but it's, it's it's work, it's work. So I want to talk a little bit about this resistance, you know, when we are pushing open doors, and they're not moving. What have you found has been have been the biggest areas of resistance have has it been male leaders? Has it been the church as a system? Has it been us ourselves telling ourselves, we can't we shouldn't, we mustn't? Well, I think it's all of the above. And I think that's why it's sometimes hard to know how to tackle this topic because everyone's got a different combination of barriers, of resistors, of, uh, you know, ways that Satan is going to try to hold back what our calling is and what God is asking of us to do. And so I really encourage people when you're feeling like things aren't moving forward to take a look at all of those aspects. I think we tend to be, again, in our human flesh, we tend to go to extremes, right? Some of us are attacking ourselves, right? I'm just not good enough. I must not be cut out for this. I guess this isn't for me. And so we sort of turn the resistance and blame ourselves inward. 
other people do the opposite. They blame everyone else around them. Like they're against me. The system is blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and so, but all of those are about blame, right? And it doesn't really matter who's to blame. We're in a broken world. There's plenty of blame to go around. What we need to be focused on instead is how do we move it forward? What's it going to take to go forward? And so being able to acknowledge that, yeah, there might be one or two people that are not your biggest fans, but is it because you're a woman? Maybe, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe you just aren't that good at your job, or maybe you keep blowing up at people, or maybe you aren't speaking up enough. Like maybe there are things that you do need to grow and learn. Maybe it is your own insecurity. Maybe you are holding yourself back. Maybe you did, you know, let go of that opportunity and, and not step into it like you should. So being able to look at all of those pieces, most of the women I coach or do through life plans or talk to, it's more than one thing. And I think we would love to know who the enemy is and attack that one thing. But the enemy is not one thing. Satan is using all the things. And so trying to make sure we're looking at all the pieces and then leaning into it in as godly way as possible. So if you find that someone is resistant to your leadership, you sense it, they feel dismissive, they're overlooking your ideas, they don't let you talk in meetings, they aren't giving you budget, they, they won't allow you to speak up for something, they're controlling where you're going, all of those things I've experienced. The, the best way to handle that is what is what scripture says to do. When you have offended someone or you have a conflict with someone, you Matthew 18 and you go and talk to them. Now, is that hard? Oh my gosh, yes. Is it vulnerable? Absolutely. Do you need to handle it like a groveling little tiny girl who needs help from whatever? No, you're a leader. You go and confront the leadership issue as a leader. So it may take, I mean, sometimes it's taken me days, even maybe a few weeks to really gear up, to get my emotions worked through, to figure out what my concrete issues are. But just like you would do any confrontation, you go in with a non-anxious presence, you make sure you're prayed up. I fast a lot of times before these because I don't want any other um, distraction of what I'm about to do. I'm coming in with laser focus, be, uh, not because I'm trying to negotiate a win. I'm trying to be that great combination of bold and humble. If I'm doing something wrong that is discrediting my leadership and this guy or whoever doesn't believe in me, I want to be open to learning. But at the same time, if there isn't something he can tell me, then I want to be bold in asking him to knock it off because it's limiting my leadership. It's making me want to pull away from my relationship with him as a brother in Christ. It's creating tension in our team and it's blocking our mission. And I want to be ready with both of those answers or both of those options, because I don't know what he's thinking. I can't make up the story in my mind and be accurate. I will always be inaccurate. So what are the two things I'm trying to come in at? And then how do I go into that confident uh, that conversation with God's confidence and being able to navigate it. So a great a great book on this topic is called Crucial Conversations. It kind of walks through some great steps to these sort of highly emotional, high stakes conversations. Those are skill sets. Those are pieces of how we work out sanctification, how we grow into maturity. Uh, I talk in the book a little bit about how Paul talks about often we get whipped back and forth, like the wind or the waves of the sea, right? We're double-minded in that. And so if you find yourself like, I'm going to take him down or I'm going to quit my job and you're going back and forth between these two extremes, you're not really walking in maturity. And so you want to sort of gear up that mature believer outlook and move forward in confidence in what God commands us to do of how we handle conflict. And that word integration, which you used earlier in the conversation is so important because you're combining competence where, where read the book, you know, I love the book, Fierce Conversations, Delivering yeah. the Truth, you know, say what needs to be said with grace and skill. And those are competencies, but as you seek to grow your character, competence helps, it grows your confidence and all of the things are, are going in the same trajectory. And, and as I, a leader, our goal is to move it forward. Our goal is to get better. It's not to blame or to be like, you're making me feel like this. I don't feel valued. Like that might be true, but if he starts behaving differently and values you differently in the future, that takes care of all of those pieces. Yeah. It's so good. I love that. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about Katie Cole. And I'm sure that you've experienced resistance yourself, but you've also risen from that. I mean, between you and I, I think we've got more certifications <laughs> that fill pages and pages. And I know, you know, that you can't become anything you want to be, but you can become more of who you already are. And here's Katie kind of like forging new ground because it's 2021 and we've got this book, um, 
few of your books that talk about developing the female voice, developing, you know, female leaders. It's like, well, we should know this. We should be there already. It's 2021, but no one's doing it quite like you. So how did you know that this was your lane to step into? What kind of resistance did you experience and how have you decided to be resilient? Because this is your lane and you're just going to stick, stick with it. Uh, well, I think for me, a lot of it comes to what is the need at hand. I am someone who, again, I, I like to solve problems. I like to address the needs I see that are keeping the kingdom and churches from being who they're supposed to be. And so for me, I think I did face quite a bit of resistance. I've all, I think all of us always face resistance, but there's a natural resistance whenever you're trying to move things forward. And so I think for me, knowing that there was a need big enough that it was worth it and that I sensed God was with me. So the book contract really came sort of unexpectedly, which is always a good sign for me that God's doing something when it kind of comes from left field. It's not that I hadn't tried to write a book a bunch of times before or get published, but this was his book and his timing. And so I really trusted that. So that gave me a lot of encouragement. I think probably the biggest area of resistance for me is oftentimes other women. And uh, most guys are surprised to hear that, but almost no women are. And it's one of the saddest and hardest things, but it's really understandable, especially from older women who are older than me, who have gone before me. There are, are definitely women who have gone before me that have been cheerleaders of mine, but the numbers are very few. Most of the time, women who have grown up not being allowed to use their leadership having to squelch the calling that God put in them, having to live inside boxes that weren't good fits for them, all under the umbrella of them uh, speaking up or taking charge or doing more was sinful. When they see someone like me all excited and coming to talk and got new ideas and going to launch a bunch of campuses and going to raise money and do all these things, you know, that's not enjoyable for them. Not only because it's things they, I know, would have loved to have done and should have done and should have been able to do. But for them, it's also wrong, right? They consider that uh, anti-biblical. And so I have a lot of compassion for that with women. Uh, it doesn't make the resistance any less difficult. Like it's not fun to get up and speak in front of a big room of people or at a church. And, you know, the first comment from the first woman is like, well, your hair kind of was weird up there. Or, you know, you know, the, your voice was kind of, you, you know, just criticisms. Like they feel like they're helping, but they're not helping. <laughs> I do actually, I don't want to look bad on stage. I don't want to sound bad on stage. I want to work on all those things, but the timing of it, the tone of it, you know, all of that really matters. And so I have a huge heart for that kind of resistance, but I also want to be a part of being different than that. I want to be a part of the group of leaders of women who are championing other people, who are uh, writing endorsements for other people's books, who are going on podcasts, even if we haven't met before. Like, I want to be the kind of female leader who wants to accelerate and elevate other women who are doing a good job. Not every woman, but all the women who are doing great things. Like I want to, I want to amplify that. And so that's kind of been, I think my resiliency piece is knowing that I would probably be in the same place as many of those women had I been 30 years older and I can make it different for other people. And so there's some modeling I get to choose not to follow. And those are the things I'm choosing not to follow. Yeah. And for anyone listening right here, I mean, you can see me, my jaw has dropped and my head is shaking because this is the environment we find ourselves in, which is actually shocking and really not appropriate. It's not acceptable, but we've allowed this culture of comparison and of not champion. But when somebody actually experiences, you know, not worldly success, but success in terms of finding their specific lane and empowering the church and raising and releasing we're mad about it. We're not happy about it because we automatically think, well, maybe I could have written that book. Maybe I should have done that. Maybe I don't believe that we should be doing that. And I think as you step out, Katie, and you inspire me, and we do what we do up, up here in Canada with raising and releasing the female verse voice, we are trying to change the culture, change the narrative and say, hey, it's normal to be champions. It's normal to elevate this is what we were called to be as a sisterhood, as a company of women. And so I love that, you know, we don't live in the same country. We're thousands of miles away, but we can share this shared vision. 
you know, on our watch in the time that we have, we're going to change that culture. And so I just want to champion you and say, thank you, because this is a, you just said a lot of things right now that were quite raw and quite real and touched me. And I'm sure touched a lot of us listening. And we're, we're skating through this conversation because of time, but I think we could sit here and say, Ooh, yeah, things yeah, there's a lot there. There's actually, it's interesting research on when there are not a lot of leadership roles available. This isn't a female thing. This is a minority thing. Basically, when you are in the minority around opportunities, we do tend to become scarcity mindsets. So even though most of us who are leading right now don't lead with an abundance of opportunities for women, if we kind of move to abundance earlier than later, right? And kind of come out of that natural tendency to have a scarcity competitive mindset because there's one or two roles. And if we help someone else get one, that means we have less. If we just remember who God is and how big he is and that his roles in the kingdom are endless. <laughs> there's always room to lead. There's always room to serve. There's always room to love. There's always a spot for you. If we can move to that abundance piece and let go of the recognition that we feel we need, in order to be real, then we can really open up those doors of support for one another. Right. And that's been part of our culture too. We need to see the name on the door of that corner office that, you know, that uh, earthly sort of like affirmation of, well, I've made it here, but we can influence from anywhere really. And if we lose that sort of sense of hierarchy um, and understand that there is an opportunity. And I want to talk about that for you. I mean, opportunity. So from coming from this place of abundance, there were some you created, some were given to you, but also if we're thinking from an abundance mindset, we can't do everything. <laughs> and so how did you find your way to saying, you know, healthy yes, mm. and a healthy no to all of the things that I'm sure will continue to come your way? So this was a big challenge for me, especially when my leadership started to really take off and I was in a very big job in a, at a big church. And I was also raising a son I, and we had one uh, son who was young at the time. And my husband had a series of lots of health issues and needed a lot of care from me. And so I felt like I was being pulled in all the directions and really feeling very alone in it. Like I had support and friends, but these were, these were responsibilities that were solely mine. I, I couldn't, you know, delegate being a wife or a mom or an employee. Like those were all up to me. And so, and I cared about a lot. I cared about my parents. I cared about being a good sister, a good friend, a good neighbor. I cared about witnessing to people in my life that didn't know the Lord. I wanted to be a, you know, a room mom in my son's school. I had all of these ideas and agendas of all the things I was going to get to do. And there just simply wasn't enough time or energy to be able to do them all. And so I did a little exercise with myself that has been very helpful. And I redo it probably every three to six months still, which is I write down all the things that are on my heart, on my mind, that I want to do, that I feel responsible to do, that I even just want to do, I feel called to do. I write them all on a big piece of paper. And then I cut the paper up and I put them in order from top to bottom. What is the What's the most important biblically, not just most important to me, but you know, my walk with God is the number one piece, right? My relationship with my family and all of those family members have different and different order. My work life, my role in my church, my role with my extended family. And I go all the way down to like, I want to do mission trips globally, right? That's at the very bottom of the list because there's no open doors and I'm not paid for it. And like, I, but I still want to do it. I still feel called to go back to international missions one day in my life. So all of those things, listen, and sometimes to be really honest, I mean, most guys don't believe me, but I'm like, there could be 50 or 75 things like that. That's all what's on me at the moment. And most women are like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> it's not three things for heaven's sakes. It's a lot. And I care about them all. And I, I actually think they're calls for my whole life. I think I'm going to get to all of those in the, in the spectrum of my life that God has given me, but not all of them are what I'm called to do right now. And so when I put them in sort of numerical order of priority, you know, priority one, priority two, priority three, and then just like you do with a financial budget, these are all the bills in order. My needs go at the top. My wants are at the bottom. And then I start paying them off one at a time. So I start putting these into my calendar. How much time will they take and where are they going to go? And when my calendar is full, my list is done. And I trust the Lord to handle the rest, right? So he's going to have to send someone else to Haiti. He's going to have to send someone else to Africa. He's going to have to 
send someone else to my college roommate who I really miss. Like he's going to have to, he's going to have to take care of those other needs. I feel a burden for them. I can pray for them, but they're not my call right now. I've got my call. These are the priorities. And this is how much time and energy he's given me for me to honor him, to still take a Sabbath, to still serve, to still be the mom. I believe I'm supposed to be all of those things. And then I let the rest go. Yeah. So good. I mean, it's strategy asking the one question that sometimes we fail to ask is, do I even have time for this? Do I even have time for this? Because we're women, no lie, 75 things on the list at any given day. But also we know that, you know, priorities actually came from the word prior, which is like one priority. And because you've chosen to say healthy no's to a lot of things, you've been really equipped to this generation, the now and the next generation, like I'm reading your books, I'm leaning in, I'm passing them out to the women that are under my sort of call here in this nation. And because of that, you know, it's a win for everybody. So I want to talk a little bit about this grace zone as we kind of come to a close and just say, what's it like to wake up being Katie Cole every day? Like, do you feel like you're in the middle of wow, this is what I was meant to do. I know it's not easy. And you shared a lot of the raw, which I really appreciate because we look at you and we go, okay, what a great life, but you know, you know what it takes, you know, the sacrifice. What's it like to live in your grace zone? How does that feel? Well, I don't even know if I have words for that. I think most people COVID has been a really challenging time and a lot of navigating a lot of losses for things and people. And so I think in this season, at least I find myself not as much on the productivity side of things, but more trying to really work the grief and the mourning side of things so that my next season can be bright and beautiful. I'm old enough now to know that when I gloss over the harder feelings of life, the disappointments, the sadness, the rejection, the loss that those things don't go away. They just show up unexpectedly at the worst time. And so (laughs) I'm uh, working really hard to make sure that I'm accepting God's invitation to mourn and process those things in the right way. Not not only because it's a, a state of obedience, but also it's a, it's a hope for the future that life doesn't stay in these dark places. And I say that mostly for people who are also in that. I know not everyone is. Uh, I like what Rick Warren says that we've all, we're all in the same storm through COVID or the pandemic and all the things that are happening, but we all have different kinds of boats. Some people are in yachts. Some people are in a speedboat. Some people are on a life raft. Some people are floating with a rubber ducky around them, holding them up. Like we're all experiencing things different. And so for those people who feel more like you're on a plank of wood or on a life raft by yourself, I just think it's important for us to be fully in that season because we hope and know that that season won't last forever. And so that I think is those spaces, but I, I think a lot of those experiences are forged in the highs and the lows. I would say sometimes those times on social media or publicly that look like my highest times were personally really some of my lowest. And some of the times that were the most anonymous were my most joyful. And so just, we can't get too caught up in assumptions about each other. Once we kind of peel back the layers, we learn that we're all just humans kind of surviving the journey God has for us. And hopefully we're staying faithful. We're staying centered on the Lord. We're staying hopeful of a better day, but there's so many scriptures that talk about staying courageous and not allowing ourselves to be terrified or moving from strength to strength. Those are in there because most of us don't feel awesome most of the time, but we can have God's peace. We can have his promises. We do have community that can support us, even if it comes in unexpected ways. And so I don't know, that's kind of a rambling answer to your question, but I I just want to give myself permission and other people permission to experience God's grace, even as a leader. And part of what we were talking about a minute ago with priorities, the most difficult way reason to say no to me, at least is it displeases other people, right? It's disappointing to others. And any decision we make as a leader is going to displease someone. That's kind of the cost of leadership. And so as we even navigate whatever our journey is in today's moment, I think it's important for all of us to know that we're pleasing the Lord and that we're 
following him and letting that be enough because people are so fickle, their applause or their disapproval can change in a day. So we can't really count on that. We really have to count on what's happening on the inside. And am I growing closer to God through this? And is it catalyzing me forward in Christ likeness? That's really the, that's really the question. I think that's a brilliant word to end on. It's such a good word. And I appreciate the fact that you acknowledged. I think we're all suffering in so many ways. We're grieving so much loss, not as leaders, just as humans. <laughs> and to say, we just still stay focused on, on God. That's the unchanging. I would love to leave on that word. I think it's brilliant. And I want to thank you for your time, Katie. You've been such an inspiration to me. You've been such an equipper. You've been such a, um, a champion that I just pray blessing over you and your ministry. And hopefully we'll meet in the next few weeks in your world. That will be wonderful. Thank you, Kathy. And thanks for everything you're doing in the kingdom. I love, I just love the impact you're having. So thanks for having me on the show. Thanks. God bless. Well, hey, thanks for listening to this episode of The Strong Way and my conversation with Katie Cole. As you heard in this interview, Katie's voice is strong. It's bold. It's honest and it's assertive in all the best ways. Both male and female leaders need to find a way to work together side by side so that their churches, their ministries, their organizations can flourish. I believe we are well past the time when we can just talk about it. It needs to become the norm, not the exception. And maybe you're looking for clarity on knowing what to say, how to say it, who to speak up for and when to speak. Your voice may just need a tutorial in how to be both humble and bold, how to know what you want and ask for what you want, how to communicate clearly and directly and how to be honest and honoring. Your voice is given to you to forge your strong, healthy and mature way forward. So I encourage you to grab a copy of both of Katie's books, Developing Female Leaders, navigate the minefields and release the potential of women in your church and her most recent book find your leadership voice in 90 days how to show up speak up and stand out with confidence until next time i stay committed to help you find your strong way forward i believe in you god bless thank you for listening to this episode of the strong way with kathy Church. For show notes and to get in touch, be sure to head to thestrongway.ca or kathyastovchuk.com. If this content has been helpful, we'd love you to share it with your friends on social networks and subscribe so you don't miss any amazing episodes. And remember, the strong way is not always the easiest way, but it is the best way because it's your way. Until next time, stay strong.